Hello, podcast listeners. You're listening to another Drive Home from Corbin Johnson. This morning I tried to record a podcast about my thoughts on a matter of time, and as I started to think about it, uh, many of the things I said earlier this morning were not quite right. A lot of technical inaccuracies I didn't really have a chance to look at uh, the set too much, but during lunch today I took a look at the set, and uh, I have a few thoughts about it and just wanted to talk about them. So first of all, I'm really excited about the Relativity crew. I think it's a whole new, not only a whole new deck type, but probably a whole new affiliation, or so to speak, or faction, however you want to say it for Tui. That's got me really excited. I think it's going to be fun to combine feds from all across the game in unique and interesting ways. Potentially, you can get any three feds in play on a turn by replicating uh, temporal transporters three times, or twice, and play it three times. It's going to cost a lot of card draws, and I imagine whatever strategy that goes into doing a deck like that is going to have to use a lot of, maybe these are the voyages, or something to that effect. I mean, uh, one interesting thing about Tui is it's not inherent in uh, how to, you know, get free card draws uh, very easily. The only thing that comes to mind is these are voyages, and it's a very controversial card, and uh, a lot of people don't think it's uh, good for the game, but anyway. I think we'll probably see two kinds of deck types with the Relativity ship and Temporal Transporters. They'll be basically it on its own, or it plus Voyager. And I'm trying to figure out the utility of the wells. I guess that'll be useful to have uh, extra ships if you decide to do the only Relativity route. So that's kind of cool. I'm excited to just bust out all the future personnel, the holograms, and Jake Sisko and whoever else, the new the new guys as well, uh, Vintner and all the TNG guys. I think all of them together are going to make for one heck of an interesting deck on their own without using the temporal transporter. So maybe that's even a third deck type is just natural future personnel. So I'm excited to try that kind of a deck. I'm excited to bust out the plays of the thing and consider using Jedzia Dax Problem Solver and Miles O'Brien, Repair Chief, or Tech Chief, or whatever, the guy that prevents events from being blown up, and using Jedzia to recur plays the thing, or even keeping a low hand, well, that's not really going to work with... You're not, you don't have to put a card on the plays of the thing if you don't have any cards in hand, so... If you just have no hand at the end of the turn, then you're okay. But then getting draws for paying for temporal transporters and things like that is... I don't think it's quite inherent that the two would work together very nicely. So, uh, yeah. It's going to be fun, though, to find maybe two or three fed personnel that don't belong at all and mix them together probably go for high cunning or rather high attribute personnel like data and whoever else uh, julian bashir he's got cunning of eight just go through and that's one thing i really like about two or you you kind of as you play two more it, it tends to 
become inherent that just high attribute guys tend to be very useful. They help that it really helps you get a smaller number of personnel busting through a mission, and that can help in many ways. Your opponent draws less, your opponent plays less. Perhaps, uh, I mean, there's also the strategy of sending a lot of guys at the same time, or just micro-teaming. And I'm not, I'm not saying micro-teaming is the way to go, but going with six really awesome guys on a mission attempt is you know, probably not such a bad idea. I don't know. Uh, some say eight's the magic number of people to send. Maybe seven's going to be the correct number with some of the dilemmas that have come out in a matter of time. But, you know, we'll see. It keeps the game fresh and exciting. So aside from the Relativity crew, I am really excited to play with the new dilemmas that are coming out, especially some of the Shran hate, and I think <laughs> I think a lot of these dilemmas are focusing on transports is kind of interesting. I'm going to probably be sticking Montgomery Scott into from Strange New Worlds into my Fed Earth decks or TNG decks, because he'll help me bust through that stuff, you keep Shran out, and... Then I don't really care. I'll play with old feelings to get rid of some of this new hate, maybe. I know there's that mission that a new... There's two new ref missions, actually. Uh, the Shran hate mission, and then there is another one that I'm blanking on at the moment. Oh, it's the dual headquarters hate. And so <laughs> I think that's going to be interesting for uh, Rogue to figure out if he wants to make new achievements for just having different combinations of the six ref missions in play and all ref missions or you play all ref missions and somehow you know probably not win any games it'd be very hard to do if not impossible i don't know if you have to play the headquarters mission i think so so it might be interesting to do that or see if there's some weird hidden achievement for that i don't know and anyway Two new ref missions. We've got a new Telecomore. He's Romulan guy that can report to Voyager ships, so he can report to your Relativity or to your Voyager, your Equinox, or your Delta Flyer, even your Backseal, I suppose. So you can get a Romulan, one single Romulan, into pretty much any deck except for Borg, which is kind of cool. So uh, and he's he's cool. Uh, it's Doctor Telecomore. He gets you five points if you use one of his skills in a mission. That's kind of cool. I guess cutting of seven. I'm a big fan of that. So, Dr. Telegramore is cool. What else was interesting in the set? We've got the new dilemmas we talked about. The couple of new interrupts. The preposterous plan is kind of fun. A little Guinan hate going on. A little temporal event hate going on. Kind of interesting. I'm not gonna. I'm not sure how much I'll play with that interrupt. Uh, I I kind of like the new event, reliving the past. It's kind of a way of Shran nerfing yourself to score five points. Maybe it'd be good after a during a third mission attempt. I was thinking about I've got a loaded for bear deck that isn't as broken as others might think the deck archetype is on its own. But I don't play with things like parting shot in that deck. But if you are going for a third mission with the load for bear and you've got 65 points from doing a space and a planet mission, 
Well, you can either keep playing TNG guys and try to get the extra 30 points or 35 points by stopping 18 guys every turn. That's two and a half turns, and if you decide to attempt missions without scoring extra points on, an, on your own early on, or you just never had that, you, know, you solved a mission, you don't have range, but you've got six guys, you stop for five points, then, you know, if that didn't come up, then maybe you want to go for a third mission, and as you attempt, a couple dilemmas go under, and you relive the past and score five points, and it's kind of a way to score the points anyway as kind of a backup for that deck, and I think that maybe that has some potential, I'm not sure. The play's the thing. That's that's not a new card, but I think it's important to talk about in that it does make for an interesting relativity deck. And, okay, yeah, we talked about that already, so eh, that's fine. There's a lot of dual headquarters hate going on. Well, the, above and beyond the mission, you've got the four non-aligned guys. And I'm not sure I want to stick those non-aligned guys in just any old deck. I might stick Odo in a deck if I'm playing with the Protect Historic Encounter or the, the Guardian of Forever mission and just download him first turn if I'm going second and then I'll have two extra counters every turn. I guess I'll have to watch out for the other new interrupt, which looks interesting, the one that pulls any guy from anywhere in play and makes him join the mission attempt. I think that's uh, a brilliant idea, and it, it seems like a really fun interrupt. And I think that's a really interesting counter to a lot of things like du Greasy Ducat and anyone who just stays at home and mills stuff. It's really interesting. So, oh, yeah, like Nathan Samuels as well. This would be very interesting. And the Battleship Guinan, not that she's broken or anything... But uh, bring her along. This concerns her too. But okay. Anyway, uh, if you didn't get that, you're not very nerdy. All right. Anyway, I'm very excited to try playing with that interrupt. Just see how it goes. So I'm not sure I want to play with any of the other dual headquarters haters. Maybe I don't know if they're cool enough. They've got the right skills. They've got the right attributes. I'll throw them in whatever deck needs them course, so it'd be interesting if they somehow played with Fulfilled Temporal Paradox more than they already do. I mean, they do have interesting species, which means they're going to help out with some of the dilemmas from Lineage, which is cool, but eh, not, not terribly exciting. The new USS Enterprise C and its crew brings up a, I don't know, they're, they're interesting, right? The, you could throw them in a battleship USS Enterprise D deck without issue, and they'll help out. You can play a guy to the C, and that's helpful. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the new Rachel Garrett. I'd probably continue using the older one only because she's free, and I'm, I can't remember the last time I actually gotten an engagement in a 2E game. I know there's Krug decks and everything, but I guess... There is Those decks are becoming a little bit more popular. There's a Prometheus deck that's out there and the Krug deck, and either way, if you don't play right, you're totally screwed. So maybe it'll be interesting to try playing with her. I'm a big fan of Richard Castillo. I was trying to think of some way of sticking him in my Defiant deck that uses all Magic Commanders. I just can't think of a really good way to do it. You could 
Uh, he's TNG, and I just don't see how I could somehow... Maybe... Oh, okay, well, no, I can't do that. No, okay, he's the matching commander of the Enterprise C. So I could play the Earth Enterprise C to T, like, DS9 Earth, and I guess... I think the five-point distant distant exploration event has to play on Mouth of the Wormhole. Or does it? If it doesn't, I could just play it on DS9 Earth. And I know I don't get the range bonus for moving from the wormhole, from, from uh, Mouth of the Wormhole, but at least I could get the Earth Enterprise C in, and using the captains on the bridge that I already have out, I can play Richard Castillo to the Enterprise C that way, and then he can come join us in the Gamma Quadrant using the Defiant that gives me uh, seven counters, or five counters if I play it. So, eh, there's a possible deck there, but then I can't play Kira uh, as as easily since he's Bajoran. So, maybe a bit of a trade-off. Man, I don't know. Could be an interesting deck type, though. Just maybe for fun. I'm not sure. So, there's two new draw engines that come out in this. Well, two standalone draw engines, as far as I can tell. This is the dude from the Enterprise C that lets you play Regenerate. I think it's Remodulate or Regenerate or whatever that event is from Energize and draw an extra two cards when you play it. And then there's uh, Lineage, which has a great image. I do like the Picard with Picard painting in the background. Kind of, It's a really cool image. And that one says if you have I think three AU guys in play, you can draw some number of cards from your deck and put some cards under, or put any number of cards under to draw a certain number and then draw two more if you have three AU guys in play. I think that's what it was. So, just looking at, you know, I'm a big fan of These Are the Voyages since it nets you basically extra counters, extra draws, and I think a draw is more or less worth a counter. It's a little under, but... So... These aren't these aren't actually these these two draw engines don't actually net you anything except for uh, well if I use the regenerate if I use the regenerate dude on the Enterprise C I've got the Enterprise C costs five because I have to have him on a past TNG ship and I'm not sure there's any others than just the new Enterprise C so five for the ship which I could possibly reduce to Smiley or something like that. Or even Zephyr Cochran. And then two for the guy, so that's seven plus two for drawing them, so that's nine. Right, so seven plus two is nine. And then I have to pay three counters to or a counter each for drawing each of those remodulator regenerate events. So that's twelve already. And then so I play each of those cards to draw three cards basically. So I'll net nine, or I'll get nine counters out of playing the three events. And unless I can recur that event somehow, I've lost three. I, I mean, I get a ship, I get nine draws, and I get the dude for basically... Well, no, not counting the draws, I get the ship and the dude for three three counters. Okay, that's kind of cool. But you've got other ships that are just as good. Uh, you've got the Kelpo for three, you've got the Excelsior for four, I mean the... the Excal no, Excelsior, excuse me. Um, yeah, you get the Excelsior for four. So, 
I'm not sure if it's really worth it. If you can recur those remodulates or regenerates somehow, use Jedzedax Problem Solver perhaps, then there you go. I mean, then you're cooking with gas because that's, uh, you'll net free draws for the rest of the game so long as you can shuffle the deck and get them back. And well, I guess you can shuffle the deck with the damn card. So there you go. Well, if you can rem if you can get that back, then I'll, more power to you. Then you've got Lineage. Again, I don't really see a net gain to it. You do get to kind of shuffle through your hand and shuffle through your deck and try to get cards out faster, which is kind of cool, I guess. I don't know if it's worth two to me. It, it's basically a Masaka that costs zero so long as you have... It costs one because you have to draw it. So it costs one to go through your deck and try to get cards faster. Maybe maybe it's worth it. I'll have to play with it and reserve judgment until then. Let's see what else was fun in the set. There's nine new missions, I think. Seven or eight or nine new missions. It's a lot of missions, a lot to go through, so I think there'll be some fun stuff going on there. I'm excited for the... Well, actually, no. <laughs> there is the Starship Enterprise that came out, and that's pretty cool to give those AU OS guys a ship finally. Pretty cool. But it doesn't actually do anything super cool on its own. That's okay. I can still make a thematic deck, which is kind of fun. And it's fun to make thematic decks. I don't know if maybe there's some TOS events out there or interrupts that will make that deck a little bit more interesting. Um, but going through the AU guys... Uh, during lunch today, there's some cool, there's McCoy, and you can use Spock to download a dude, and Kirk gets you attribute enhancements on the turn he's played, which is cool. I'm always looking for attribute enhancements, so I'm very excited about that. So maybe, maybe there's some potential there, and assigning a matching commander to the ship is kind of cool, mission accomplished stuff. I mean, it's obvious that that text is there, Basically, I, I think it's there just because the AU guys don't actually have a match commander among them, and it's thematic because the assassination and all that. I'm wondering if Necessary Evil, the event there, kill off your dude. Uh, you could use that, I suppose, to recur Spock or recur, recur Kirk, which is kind of cool. So that's kind of fun. Um, I've always imagined that, that event has further reaching potential but I've never actually gone and tried to exploit it in any way so maybe using three necessary evils and exploiting the powers on these guys the up cost powers eh, there might be a fun deck in there so I'll have to check that out one thing I my, I think I was talking about on my last podcast was I just feel like I don't have enough time to go and build every deck that I want to and certainly this is a great set because there are so many new decks I want to build. Two out of Relativity automatically, possibly three. I want to build these TOS guys. I want to build... I, I want to enhance my Battleship deck, maybe with these Enterprise C guys, I'm not sure. I'm definitely going to throw some Dilemmas in my, in my other decks. There are six new Dilemmas, so that's always fun. And that's exciting to me. So, so much I want to do, so little time, right? Oh, well. Uh, this gets me thinking about Tapestry and just how great a set that was. For 18 cards, I found almost a, a use for almost every card in the set 
right after it came out, except for maybe the Romulan card. I don't play Romulans much anyway, or ever. I've played them in sealed deck. They're fun. But I the the Romulan event wasn't super exciting to me. I mean, going back and looking at it the other day, I thought, well, actually, this might actually be somewhat useful. But it costs two or three or whatever. I don't know. But I really enjoyed the... I really enjoyed the Thoughtfire dilemma that came out of that set. And I think John Corbett said on his blog that that card is either terrible or super useful. So, I don't know. Whenever I play with it, I have... I've stopped probably 75% of the time. I just... The mission attempt ends right there. Which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah. And... The other cards in the set, Loaded for Bear, I definitely play with the new Crusher. I play with Miles O'Brien is in that deck. I haven't used Tasha yet. I haven't found a use for Data. I'm not so sure about. I guess he's got use for an Android deck, which I just don't play. What else was in there? The two-cost Q event looks really fun, and I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. I typically don't play with Unexpected Difficulties, and I find that I found that it's never screwed me over in a tournament, and it's screwed me over only once in casual play that I don't play with that event. And frankly, that seems pretty good to me. I think that's evidence enough for me to not have to play with the unexpected difficulties. But this card letting me save a card, you know, I finally drew that hard time or that tragic turn, but the rest of my hand is crap. Well, Nerf two, it's two cost counters. Eh, you play with delivery boys, and then you're good to go. I think I think it's it's definitely worth trying out at least. And when, if you're playing with the delivery boys, might as well be playing with oh nothing happened, and then any other kind of fun temporal event stuff might be fun to check out as well that came out in this set. So I might end up doing a cycle of those cards in some of my decks just to give it a try and see if it enhances anything so yeah I'm really excited about the new set and I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about the set uh, you can always PM me at CorbinQ27 or email me at CorbinJohnson at me.com or you can call the Star Trek CCG Game Show hotline at 267-CALL-CPJ and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this podcast or my other podcasts or just trek in general hey podcast listeners i'm gonna be taping my fourth episode here i'm about halfway home already uh from my drive home from work uh matter of time just released i'm very excited about that so today i thought i'd talk about maybe some decks that i've tried out in tui and, you know, I'm, I'm a 1E player originally. I started playing 1E in 1999 or 2000, right around the time Tribbles came out, Trouble with Tribbles. And I fell in love with the game. I had a great game, gaming group out in Northern California. Uh, Jeremy Commander, Franklin Kenter, Stephen Lee, all those guys uh, really helped to mentor me and make me a better player for 1E. And I really stuck to my guns when 2E came out. I didn't want to play 2E, and I thought 2E was frankly terrible when it came out and so I pretty much gave up on 2e and Decipher had pretty much given up on 1e and I kept looking at the backwards compatible cards as they came out and I just couldn't find anything that was like oh my god I want to play this 
you know, credit hats off to Jeremy Commander for keeping the playgroup alive during the beginning of 2E, and we kept playing 1E probably for a couple of years after 2E came out, but after that, uh, college and, and other things, I just pretty much stopped playing the game until, until 2007, um, I didn't really take notice of Trek between Strange New Worlds and What You Leave Behind. And finally, when What You Leave Behind came out, I said, I'll buy a box of this. And there were some cool cards in there, but I didn't know what I was doing. I don't play 2E, so... And then I shelved Trek until, I think, 2010. And that's when I... Jeremy continued to email all the playgroup throughout the years. I played 1E on occasion every year or so. And then eventually he's you know he's like the cc you can print out cards and i'm like what print out, how does this work and so i checked out the cc in 2010 and sure enough that was pretty cool in 2011 i uh ramped up with 1e and became a better 1e player again and that was fun then i moved out to chicago in 2012 and everything i well that was a big life changer for me so i had to if i wanted to continue to play trek i had to find a 1e or 2e group out here and so I found a Tui group out here run by Al Schaefer, and, and he is a fantastic tournament director and really keeps this play group out here going. And so I showed up one day, or I emailed him and said, hey, can I play some Tui? And he's like, yeah, sure, just bring a deck, whatever. So I printed out some DS9, I think it was the Under Siege deck, and added some other cards I'd had and showed up, and I think I lost every game but had a great time. And... It was a testament that everyone was very friendly and very inviting, and they all wanted to show me cool things that they do with their 2E cards, and some of them even gave me free cards, thanks to Ed Pigman and uh, Michael Moskop for kind of helping trade and give me cards, and Eric and uh, Brian, they're, they're great. I'm sure I'm leaving out people. I apologize. And it was just a very inviting atmosphere, so... I picked up 2E pretty quickly, started buying cards on eBay, and within about a year, uh, or even six months, I had we had our regional. Or I, I guess I started playing 2E late 2011, and then the regional 2012 in April, May, whenever it was. Uh, that uh, I, I'd only played for less than a year, and, and I took second place, and so I think that shows I picked up the game quickly, and the deck I brought wasn't something I you know found willy-nilly off the internet. I not, not to say you shouldn't do that, and I, I, def, I absolutely encourage players who want to grow and and continue to play, and even new, especially new players, they should build other players' decks, learn the intricacies of the game that way, and then go ahead and start uh, fussing around with new ideas. So I brought a uh, DS9 Earth, uh, yeah, a DS9 Earth deck, which was high, heavy on non-aligned guys heavy on high cunning guys and did a two mission win deck and luckily took second place at that regional and I thought it was, I, know, I had a fantastic time. So, you know, I've, I've really come into 2E and I love it. And yeah, I, I'm sure I talked about this a lot on my second podcast, but, uh, it, I, one, what I really love about 2E is it, if you want to build a deck, you can probably do it in an hour. If I want to build a 1E deck, it's going to take me half a day or a whole day. And it might have something to do with the fact that I've got my 2E cards better organized than my 1E cards. But even when I'm in a deck builder and I'm like, ah, what deck do I want to build? I just, I go in there and with 2E, it's easy to either take someone's, copy it, and just modify a few things or pretty much 
just search for the skills you need and only these four guys you pick the best of the four and add them and that's it and it's that i love that i can build decks really quickly in tui so that that for that reason and the other thing is because uh, all the affiliations are very segmented and they kind of get their own toys and not a lot of toys play with all the affiliations it's easy to have several decks built at a time and a third thing I love about Tui is that it's very easy, or at least for most decks you have, to play against the fishbowl. Most decks I have, to just play against the fishbowl and just play on my own and try to figure out, okay, is this an 8-turn deck for a win? Is this a 10-turn deck? Can I win in... What's the average amount of turns? What should I be focusing on? And of course you can't really know until you're actually playing against an opponent, but it's easy to assume that your opponent's been tracking your skills. It's easy to assume that your opponent has perfect knowledge you just kind of assume he's got perfect knowledge and you throw perfect dilemmas and you see how it goes and i i like that and i think it's a good way to figure out maybe i need three wharfs or one wharf or we need to add an extra ship here and that sort of thing so i can get better at the game by doing that with one e it's a little harder you know you can do test draws and go okay i'm getting I'm getting my draw engine ready by turn three, and that's good enough. And you make sure that you're not forgetting a critical card somewhere. But it's very hard, I think, in 1E to kind of come prepared and not... You can come prepared, but it's hard to be ready for all situations in, in 1E, whereas in 2E it's a little easier. Except for the fact that in 2E, the meta really drives the game a lot more than in 1E. So I've got just a couple minutes before I pull up at the door. Uh, my favorite 2E e deck that I've been putzing around with for the last couple of months is a Delta Quadrant Klingon deck, and that's going to get a little help from the new Bolana from Matter of Time, which I'm really excited about. But my deck has got two 40-point missions. One of them is in the Alpha Quadrant only because I think it was because I couldn't find another 40-point mission in the Delta Quadrant that I could actually solve given the build of my deck. I can't remember if that's exactly why I did it, but I... <clears throat> it has the potential to do a two-mission win using three Bakul challenges and recurring a fourth. I think I do one... I, th I think I, you know, I go for Caretaker's Array, and then I go for... There's a 40-point planet, or 40-point space mission in the Delta Quad, and there's a 30-point planet mission that fit really nicely with my skill set. So, I... No, I, I think I'm stuck doing the three-mission win unless I decline to do the Caretaker's Array, but I tend to want to do the Caretaker's Array early on just so I can get the boost for at what cost and whatnot. It's, uh... Eh, it's fun. It's a really fun deck, and I love... <laughs> I, I love how broken Kimtar is. I mean, I to be honest, he, I think he's broken as all ever. And... Uh, but I, you know, I'll get an energized and surprise party if I can draw them early on, and that usually enhances the deck. However, my opponent's usually packing event heat, so I don't know how effective he is. But I love Kolar because he gives all my guys, all my Klingon guys, plus one at Delta missions, and you know me, I love myself some attribute boosts. So I'm really excited to throw Bolana in the deck and kind of see where it goes, and just have some fun with the deck. And, yeah, I, you know, uh, well, it's just fun, and, and the Bakul challenge, I think, is a ton of fun, and 
it's fun to recur. I just threw Greasy Ducat in the deck. I think it was a no-brainer, but as someone uh, said to me, hey, why don't you have Greasy Ducat in here? I'm like, I don't know. So I just put a couple in, and sure enough, <laughs> the deck was firing even better. So uh, it's fun, and it's also fun to report guys straight to the Kelpo. Not the Kelpo, but the Vok Lang. So anyway, I'm home, and that's just one of my favorite 2E decks. This is Corbin Johnson saying so long, and thanks for all the trick.